Hi, my name is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome to my Parsha podcast called Life Imitates Torah. This week's Parsha, Chaye Sara, has the most famous question asked about it, which is that the Parsha is called Chaye Sara, literally the life of Sara, and yet Sara is not actually featured in this Parsha. The only role that she plays is in the first two Psukim, when we're told that the age until she lived, and then the fact that she died. So the question is, how come we have this Parsha named after her, when in fact she's not actually featured really in the Parsha at all, and she's not alive in any parts of the Parsha? And I wanted to propose one way of thinking about this question today that deals with looking at what happens next as a reflection of how her family grieves for her. Now, what follows after we're told of Sarah's death are a series of scenes uh, in which Avraham is taking care of various parts of his household after she passes away. First, we're told that Avraham mourns her, and then he gets up from this mourning process, and he proceeds to secure, through an elongated interaction with Ephron, he proceeds to secure Ma'arata Machpela, the burial ground for Sarah. And then once that's completed, he turns to his servant Eliezer and he says, Eliezer, I need you to go back to the land that I came from and find a wife for my son Yitzchak. And then we have that whole story and and Eliezer does succeed and he brings Rivka back. And then if we follow Avraham through the story, at once that Yitzchak is uh, married and Rivka is secured as his wife, Avraham goes and he takes another wife named Keturah. And they have a whole other group of children, though we're told again that Avraham leaves everything for Yitzchak and his other children do not actually inherit them. And then once that happens, at the very end of the Parsha, Avraham dies he lives to 175 years and he dies beseva tova zakin that he dies in this a good old age that he was mature that he was content and then he passes away so he's very active in this parsha in securing and making sure that he has a burial ground for his wife and his family, in making sure that his son has a wife so that they can continue the chain of the family. And then he gets married again, he has children, and he dies. He lives this full life and then he dies. Now, this is in marked contrast to Yitzchak's experience in this parsha. We don't know how Yitzchak reacts after his mother passes away. All we know is that he ends up in Be'er Lechai Ro'i in the south. And that he comes back up at some point, back to um, where Avraham lives. Maybe he had received messages that Avraham had secured a wife and that Eliezer was returning with her. We don't know exactly. But all we, what we do know is this very strange pasuk. This is chapter 24, verse uh, 63. That Yitzchak had gone out, Lasuach can mean to, to talk, to converse, maybe he's wandering. The tradition is that he was davening and that this is the basis of where we get they are supposed to daven mincha as evening is approaching. But Yitzchak is out in the field, just kind of wandering around, maybe muttering to himself, we're not totally sure. 
That is literally all that we know about Yitzchak and how he has lived his life and reacted to the loss of his mother. And then we see as the scene progresses that Rivka raises her eyes and she sees Yitzchak and she falls off the camel. And Yitzchak, well, then Eliezer tells Yitzchak of all of the travels that he's had and the stories involved in securing Rivka as a wife for Yitzchak. And then all we're told a couple verses later is that Yitzchak brings Rivka into his mother Sarah's tent, and he takes Rivka as a wife, and he loved her, and and Yitzchak was comforted after his mother. So all of these stories about Avraham, like we said, are in marked contrast to Yitzchak, who's wandering around in the field and then brings Rivka, his new wife, into his mother's tent and marries her and loves her and is then comforted after the loss of his mother. These are two completely different models of what we have for how it, what it means to react to lose someone. And something that I love so much about this Parsha is it's the Torah's willingness and perhaps embracing of these completely different personalities and different ways of reacting. One of the most the saddest, most tragic things we can experience is the loss of a loved one, whether it's a parent or a partner, or God forbid, a child, though that isn't addressed here. And part of what creates pain after that loss is confronting the way that other people, family members, loved, close friends, whoever, community, react differently to that loss. Some people are the Avrahams who go out and they do what they are supposed to do. They mourn, they arrange the, the funeral, they take care of the family, they're active, they're doers, doers, doers. And for some people, there can be a lot of pain in witnessing that type of a mourning reaction because it gives the impression that that person isn't really burdened by the loss. It feels like it's not weighing them down, that it's not causing them deep grief because they're able to continue to function and to move forward and to produce all the things that Avram is doing. And on the other hand, we have the Yitzchaks, the people who are just kind of there, whose very existence day to day is somewhat confused and mysterious, just like Yitzchak's is, where he's lasuch basadeh, he's kind of wandering around the field. He's probably lost himself and he doesn't really know what is happening. But what I love about this model of the way Yitzchak reacts is that it gives us a way of understanding his behavior as well. Now, a Yitzchak type of figure can be enormously frustrating for an Avraham type of figure. The Yitzchaks perceive the Avrahams as just moving on. And the Avrahams can perceive the Yitzchaks as being paralyzed by grief, as being people who, you know, should just go to therapy and should work on accepting it and should work on moving on and should work on, you know, taking a shower more regularly and washing their hair and, and going to social events and figuring out how to move forward. And those the such disparate m models of mourning can really create a lot of um, inability to communicate and a lot of frustration. 
But there's this beautiful scene that Rashi actually cites a Midrash from Breshi Rabbah that, that I think just speaks so beautifully to, to Yitzchak's experience. So commenting when Yitzchak brings um, Rivka into his mother's tent and he is, loves her and is comforted after the loss of his mother, Rashi quotes a Midrash that says that what did it mean that he brought her into his mother's tent? That he brought her into Sarah's tent, Vinasit Dugmat Sarah Imo, that Rivka sort of became in the likeness, in the image of his mother. Does she really, in some ways, replace the presence? How so? They continues that for the entire time that Sarah was alive, there was a ner daluk me Arab Shabbat le Arab Shabbat. There was a lit candle from Arab Shabbos to the next Arab Shabbos. And also there was a bracha in the dough. And then the third thing is that there was anan kashur al ha'ohel. There was a cloud attached to the tent. So while Sarah was alive, there was this candle burning. There was always a blessing in the dough. There was an abundance and there was a cloud attached to the tent. There were those certain ways that a person, especially a parent, can make your life feel special. And the loss of that is huge. Even if it's just a candle that's burning, the significance of that can be enormous when someone is grieving the loss of a loved one. But then, as the Midrash tells us, when Sarah died, those things all disappeared. But when Yitzchak brings Rivka back into his mother's tent, they resumed. All three of those things came back. And that is what it means the significance, I should say, of Yitzchak bringing Rivka into his mother Sarah's tent and him being comforted after the loss of his mother. That Rivka was able to restore in Yitzchak the parts of his mother that he had missed so deeply. Now, for some of us, this Midrash may sound a little... um a little weird, like Yitzchak is really, is he just marrying his mother? You know, what does it mean that Rivka, the way he relates to his wife is just that she's a replacement of his mother. And I can understand that interpretation, but I think if we think of it just like that, we really lose the beauty of what's going on here. Because what's going on here is this message that, yes, after Yitzchak's mother died, he was lost. He wasn't like his father who knew exactly what to do and could then remarry and have more children and move on. He just is wandering around he doesn't have any direction. He misses his mother and he doesn't know how to find the parts of her that he misses in the present. But what Yitzchak is able to model for us is that he's not paralyzed forever. He is actually able to remarry, uh, to marry, I should say, and to move on and to build, to move forward and to build a family. He just couldn't do that by not having that memory of his mother around. He needed to be able to do that while carrying the memory of his mother with him. And I, like I said, this to me is such an important study of this Parsha because grief is so painful. And the way that people in our life grieve differently than we do is so painful and makes the healing process and the thought of moving forward so difficult because it hurts so much to see other people who also are mourning the loss of that person not have that same reaction what we do. I think the gift that this Parsha gives us is the assurance that actually both of those models are okay. This way, the fact that Abraham mourned by moving on doesn't mean he didn't love Sarah. 
It just means he loved her in a different way than Yitzchak did. And Yitzchak's paralysis doesn't mean that he just needs to get over and move on. It means, no, he really did miss his mother. And that his comfort in restoring Sarah to his home is also okay, even though it's different than what Abraham looked like. And so maybe we, I hope that we, we never have to experience mourning. However, there's a very good chance that we all will over the course of our lifetime. And the beauty of this Parsha is the lesson that it's okay to experience it the way that you experience it. And you should feel legitimate and recognized in your experience, but also it's upon us to remember that it's also okay if other people are reacting differently. And that doesn't make them less sensitive. It really just means that there are different people always approach this in their own way. And that part of our responsibility in caring for ourselves and for each other and the process of mourning the loss of a common person is being able to support each other in our own places and not just expect the same thing from everybody. Shabbat Shalom.